It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Time to talk a little baseball on today's Skinny Podcast. As we talk some Reds, Jed Demusi, Local 12 uh, sports producer and reporter who uh, just returned from uh, from spring training four, four or five good days in Goodyear, Arizona. He turned a bunch of yeah. packages. And a lot of that stuff, by the way, you can see on Local12.com. Just go to our uh, webpage, go to the sports section, and there's a drop-down box for Reds, and you will see uh, tons and tons. In fact, you probably have to scroll back probably 15, 20 stories worth that are up there now to find all the stuff that, that you did do. Plus, you did some uh, some columns from out there, some some kind of first-person stuff. Dabbled there. into your I, neck of the woods You did there. a very nice job with that. I, I thought it was very good. It's a different writing style, but I liked it, and I thought you uh, you really knocked it out of the park when you were there, no pun intended. I mean, there was a pun intended, but it was a bad pun. Sure. Um, I, just, just quickly, the, the first thought is, is just your first observation watching. You didn't get a chance to really see a lot of full squad stuff. No. But you were there initially when pitchers and catchers, you were there for one full squad day, maybe right. two full squad days, but you yeah. didn't get a chance to see a whole lot full squad wise, but just just your impression from what you heard and 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 what you saw. Well, I mean, I think the initial impression is how much baseball guys like being out there playing baseball, being back with their teammates. It was a very positive atmosphere. I think a lot of people when I was out there, they asked, you know, what's the vibe? How does this team feel about itself? Kind of thing. And and you know, you would have no clue about what this team is projected to do based on spending time out there with the team it's very positive guys like seeing each other guys like being back in the cage there was a moment I think when Devin Mezzarocco was in the cage and he was absolutely I mean he took the best batting practice that I saw there for whatever it's worth, but guys are so excited to see him back in the cage it's literally been two years of him not being able to play he hasn't been able to play People were – and Cozart was was shifting on him. He's like, all right, hit it in. I mean, they were just having so much fun just being around each other. And nothing's been decided yet, but this team is is definitely excited to get back to, to what they do best. I thought one of the more interesting days was the day that Brian Price sat down with you guys and Dick Williams sat down with you guys. I think it was a day you also sat down with Joey Votto. You might have sat down with some other guys, but you right. pieced together a piece – in which the, the whole term of rebuilding and what does that mean. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I thought it was interesting that there were, there were three different takes, all kind of meaning the same thing. But, I, I mean, I think Dick Williams' stance is great. Look, you pretty much put all the legwork in that you're going to do. There's probably going to be another piece or two, but not much more. Um, and it, it, he's right. It's time to start winning. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you're going to win a division, but it is time to not look in terms of can you get to 70 wins. Right. And And – Williams, I mean, it was kind of like the three bears in Goldilocks. Williams does not like the term rebuilding at all, doesn't think it has a place within this franchise. Not now. It did last year, yeah. Right. He's, you know, nobody gives out a trophy for rebuilding, best rebuilding team. So he's done with it. Brian Price, I guess, understands the necessity of maybe saying that to the fans. I don't know if he's willing to say that this year, but he he understands you say to the fans, hey, we're rebuilding, so they are clued into sort of the process. Yes. But he doesn't like the idea of when it creeps into the locker room. He doesn't think that that players should hear that a team is rebuilding because he thinks that that's a built-in excuse for them. Like we don't have to win, we don't have to try hard. And Joey Votto, I mean, we could do a, we could do an hour and a half on Joey Votto, dude. You could do five months of just picking his brain. He is he is the most calculated thinker. He's weird. He's he's he's, he's weird. He's weird in the sense that. He is very measured in, in, in what he says. And you can, you can tell we don't get an opportunity to talk to him very much. 
I have I have a, a friend of mine that covers the team, and he's you may have heard the story, but he said Joey Votto wouldn't surprise me if one day he he discovered the cure for cancer, and he also wouldn't surprise me if he went on an insane clown killing spree across <laughs> Canada. I mean that honestly, that is about dead on. I mean that is just honestly just about dead on. He he just takes. There were a couple times when we sat with him, and and every every person that was there, there was one media session for Vado. One. So all of the beat writers, all of the all of the TV crews that were out there, we all got the same crack at him. Yep. And there were several questions in that fifteen twenty minutes that I thought I thought his like brain broke because. He was sitting there thinking, and it was a standard. He was looking question. at y'all. You, you know, he was when he was looking at all of you as, as insane as, as clowns. He was, <laughs> he was about ready to go on the, on the spree. Somebody asked, "Do you? How do you feel about the criticism of your swing or how you produce in terms of the walks you take?" And that's we people have gone over that, and, and you know that ground has been tread over quite frequently with him that he needs to produce more and not take as many walks. And and he sat there and just. It almost looked like he didn't know how to answer the question the way he wanted to. Right. To get back to the rebuilding, Joey said that he doesn't mind the fact that that term is thrown around. He thinks that the players in the in the locker room like the idea of being in on the ground floor and they want to build up. Um, Joey Votto, Joey Votto's leadership too was was a very interesting topic. I think he's more of a leader than he gives himself credit for. Because when you talk to Joey, he says, oh, I'm just the type of guy that goes about my business, and I hope people pick up on it as I go. Everybody else, Scott Shebler, Cozart, trying to think of, of who else we Billy talked Hamilton, to. You talk Billy to. Hamilton, all of those guys, to a man, said that he is an integral part of their development one-on-one basis. Brian Price said he he's a one-on-one guy. He's not a saber rattler. He's not going to run in there and, and yell and scream or whatever, but... He pulls guys aside, and we saw it too when when they were taking BP. He was pulling guys aside and 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 kind of helping them and and kind of cluing them into his process. But for whatever reason, he d- is not willing to admit that he's more of a hands-on type of guy than he is for whatever reason. So he's he's a, an interesting well, I, guy. Here's what I think happens. I think if he says that, I think it opens him up then to. I don't think he wants to be the guy that, that, that the writers and the, and, the, and the TV people go to every day knowing he is the clubhouse leader, if that's the case. I don't right. believe he probably is. I don't think it is in his DNA. I, I, I can see him pulling guys aside to help them. I think that's what any good teammate would do. But I, I, I don't think he wants to be the focal point when, when the push comes to shove in, the, in your middle of a five-game losing streak or things are going well. I just don't think he – I think he wants his alone time. He wants his private time. And, I, and look, I, I think everybody points that if you're the best guy, you have to be the leader, whatever that means. You don't. I mean, you just don't. If it's not in your DNA, you just you're, you're not going to suddenly manufacture yourself into being that person. And I, I'm also one. I just in the game of baseball, I don't even know what that means to be honest with you. I mean, because at the end of the day, if you're if you're my leader, you're still aren't going to help me at the plate. I still have to. I still have to right. be the one dealing with that guy. If I'm the pitcher, you're not going to help me unless you make a play behind me um, for the most part. But um, I can see him pulling guys aside and doing those things, and, and um, I, I think it's an interesting dynamic. But I, I don't. I, I just, it's just not what he is. I, I just think it's satisfying as a if if you're a Reds fan to hear that if he doesn't admit it that he's at least doing it. I right. mean, it's like right. it's like if your kid comes home and he plays video games for seven hours, and you're like, is he really doing well in school? And then. You know, you get the report card, and he's got A's and B's. I'm I'm at least glad that that if he's not willing to admit it, that other guys are 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 learning from him because 
hooker by crook, you want to call him the, the insane clown killer. You want to call him the cure, the guy who's going to cure cancer. He's one of the best players in baseball no doubt. without question. No doubt. And he's got things that he can teach other people. Mm-hmm. And whether he wants to admit it, whether he wants to talk to the media after a five game losing streak, that that's all, you know, that that's, that's up to him. But it, at the very least, other people are saying, yeah, I'm learning a lot from him and he's willing to teach me. Let's talk about some question marks, and one of them you already touched on a little bit oh. is, is Devin Mezzarocco. Um, How much can they get out of him as, as a catcher? I mean, Tucker Barnhart had a pretty respectable year last year. You look at his numbers, they were actually, at the end of the day, um, a pseudo number one catcher, certainly a high-level number two catcher. I, I don't think I want him catching 130 games. I'd like to have it split somewhere, but you have to split it with somebody. That somebody would be Mezzarocco. Uh, how much can they get out of him, and, and will we not know until we see what he can do throughout spring training? No, I, I mean – He's had two hip surgeries and a shoulder surgery since 2014. Yeah, non-throwing part shoulder, but still. Right. But still, that's, that's, um, that's a lot. And you, there are so many guys that you, that you can root for on the Reds. There are so many guys. Cody Reed's another one after his year last year. But as it relates to Devin. Stop wearing, stop wearing the goggles. You look like a clown. <laughs> As it as it relates to Devin, Skinny's rooting for you if you take the goggles off. Yeah, I'm rooting for him there. <laughs> uh, as it relates to Devin, yeah, I think it's I think it's a wait and see type of thing. I think the one thing we do know about him is it's catcher or bust. Well, so I was wondering is, is even if he catches, let's just say in a perfect world, and I'm going perfect, he catches 100 games, and that's w- probably way way too high for coming back from what he's coming back from. Right. What do you do with him the other 60 games? Now, you're going to play some AL games, a handful sure. where he could DH. Yeah. But if you're not going to carry three catchers, you're not going to DH him that day either. So they're in a, it's a weird circumstance because it, it does sound like it's, it, that's the case. That if it doesn't work out here, he's going to have to go to the AL if he can still swing the bat and DH because there's nothing else he can do. Well, and the, the other part of it is, too, is he enjoys catching. I mean, it's Which not. Is, yeah. He likes It's a matter of what involved. can your body do, though. Right. Absolutely. He likes being involved with the pitchers. He likes that, that aspect of the game. And you get a sense with him that he is – I don't want to say embarrassed, but you get a sense with him that he realizes that the Reds made a com- financial commitment to him and it's not necessarily his fault that it, he's it's gotten not, hurt, it, it, but he feels like, hey, I need I need to put up this I, year. I, I do. I think he takes it personal because yes. I think he, he doesn't want to be a guy that looked like he took a money grab and then suddenly got hurt and doesn't care. I think he absolutely cares. I think the fact he tried to come back last year when there were questions, could right. he do it, right. showed he cared. And, and this is one I, I, I give the Reds a pass on. I mean, it was the right thing to do financially. Oh, um, coming yeah. off a, a 25 homer, 80 RBI year in a year when he all star, he didn't even get 400 plate. He got 400 plate appearances, didn't have 400 bats. So you could have even extrapolated that out further if he'd have gotten another 50, right. 60 at bats. He could have been a 30 home run, 100 RBI guy from a catcher position. Give me 25 and 80 from a catcher, and I and I would take it. I mean, he was on the cusp of being a middle of the lineup, number four, five, six hitter type guy who was going to catch 120 games a year, be rock solid. Um, came up through your organization. You did everything right with this guy. Unfortunately, the injuries got him. Now he's got a chance to maybe overcome them. He does. He does. And, and again, from what little I saw, it was positive. And it's hard to, it's hard to really <clears throat> excuse me, be out there for, for two days and, and, and put a lot of what you see as, oh, hey, this, this is how it's going to be or this is what the Reds should expect. But it was positive. 
from from what he did and what I saw. But but it was also that way last spring. Um, oh yeah. And when he finally played in some spring games, he was really really good. And then suddenly he started the regular season, and here came the shoulder injury, and it it just never it 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 led to another surgery. And it's tough too because you you hear him this off season say, I, I haven't been healthy in two years. When in that's re- a long time. When in reality, it, it, you're like, oh well, why didn't you say last year that you weren't? healthy at this at this time you know last spring training he wasn't going to say you know guys I don't I'm not really feeling it but he did say that it that um he uh he's he's healthy for the first time in two years he's pain-free for the first time he talked about just being able after the surgery just to be in the dugout just to be around the game was a positive thing for him he he took some lumps some serious lumps, especially after he had the breakout 2014 to then not be able to play after you get that type of contract. I think he, he felt a lot of guilt and there's nobody that wants to be out on that field opening day. A hundred games is probably, as you mentioned, maybe pie in the sky as a catcher, as a catcher, catcher. but there's, there's no question that, that he, he has a laser focus and he's happy to be healthy and he wants to, to contribute to this team without question. What, what vibe did you get, if any, on, on the Brandon Phillips trade from guys? Was it, was it still talked about, or was it pretty much page turned and, and uh, focusing forward? You know, we didn't, we didn't talk a ton about that. Um, I don't think anybody approached that with, with Dick Williams. There, there were so many other things to talk yeah, about yeah, in yeah. terms of uh, the pitching staff and all that other stuff. Uh, Bronson touched on, he's, you know, he talked about how a lot of the guys who were here are, you know, they aren't here. Uh, there, there were guys who mentioned it in passing. Kozart, we talked to Kozart, obviously. Brandon was the guy for well, yeah, him, right, the right. double play partner, yeah, right. now bringing up Peraza. But you didn't get a sense that they weren't ready to move forward. I mean, there, there wasn't any sort of lamenting that, that he was necessarily gone. Well, there's two potential replacements, Peraza first and Dilson Herrera second. So in the chance to have even Peraza maybe be a super utility guy. That's the other part. I mean, really, you go into spring with, with some question marks whether Mezzarocco can, can catch and be right. healthy doing that. But position-wise, you pretty much have every guy slotted in. The question with, with Scott Shebler is, um, can they platoon him with a right-handed guy or can he hit lefties? He's not proven he can hit lefties, but he did have a great last two months of the year swinging the bat against right-handers. And he's, he's a fun guy to talk to. I mean, he's, he's chomping at the bit to get out there and, and to prove that he can be an everyday guy. But you're right. Can he, can you take those final two months over, over, you know, the length of a season? We talked to Adam Duvall about figuring out how to play 162 mm-hmm. games. Cause he's not used. He wasn't used to he it. He wasn't used to it. Had a great first half, had, had a poor second half. As good as the Reds that damn played. Home, it's a damn home run derby, man. <laughs> that may be it. That may be it. But as good as the Reds played in the second half in terms of, I mean, th- th- this is a team that went eight and twenty in May, mm-hmm. and in the second half they they played almost five hundred. Yeah, they played significantly better. But Duvall's numbers kind of took a back seat. So when you look at some of those guys, Duvall figured out, you know, maybe maybe he wasn't necessarily ready. Maybe he wasn't mentally prepared enough to play an entire season, and, and that's something to look at with, with Scott Shebler well. And, well. And, and then Jay Bruce gets traded, and suddenly you right. are a main focal point of what teams are looking at on a scouting report to go, hey, Bruce has gone pitch around the guy. And so suddenly it, things, there was a dynamic change, but you have to adjust to that too. Absolutely, and, and Shebler, you, you're the guy replacing Jay Bruce, yeah, right. who was a fan favorite, and, and there was some adjustment there as well. So it'll be interesting to see – if Duvall can can put an entire season together and can Shebler just take over 
that that right field. Now, uh, Brian Price only set three guys in stone in his, his lineup uh, right. right for your left, and that was Billy Hamilton leading off, Joey Votto hitting third, and, and Duvall batting fourth. It'll be interesting, Peraza hit second. You have a chance to have arguably the, the, the best base-dealing combination at the top of the lineup, probably in all of baseball. And Billy put a number on it. He said, I said I 180. 80. Yeah. I 180 stolen bases. And he said, too, in, in the Joey Votto vein, he, he wants more people to be aggressive on the base pass. And he was talking specifically about Peraza. He wants, he wants the two of them to – I think his term was, I, I want to do crazy things on the base pass. Like, I want he and I to, to just be crazy. And it, it'll be interesting if – he does bat second if those two guys and, – and that's what Adam Duvall said when we asked him, hey, you're the cleanup guy in Cincinnati. What does that mean to you? And he said, well, I, you know, I don't care if I bat fifth or sixth with, the, with this lineup. Right. If, if guys get on base, I'm going to knock in runs. It doesn't necessarily – the cleanup isn't what it used to be or it doesn't carry that, that caveat that it used to. But it, if those two guys can get on base and disrupt things, that, that's going to be huge. But, again – you can't steal first. Yep. And and you know Billy Hamilton has done a better job. Of he getting he on took base. he took a step forward last year. And Peraza's on base percentage was pretty darn good, and it can get better. But uh, it's not the Billy Hamilton leading off with a two ninety on base percentage, and Zach Cozart hitting second with a three oh one on base percentage. It's two guys if they can get on base combined thirty three percent of the time with the way they can run. I think they got a chance to put a pressure on some defenses. And Billy's got a chip on his shoulder this year, especially because he didn't win the Gold Glove. Which is that, absurd. That really bothered him. I have my criticisms of him at the plate, but defensively, that's absurd. And, you know, to a man, the guy we talked to, we said, do you think Billy – and they said, there's absolutely no question, especially when you consider the fact that both guys are playing the line, essentially, right. because right. they can, right. because he's so fast, because he makes so many plays. He makes so many plays that got are not got, that got are not got. plays – that it is it is almost absurd that that he didn't win the the uh the the gold glove he mentioned that Brandon Phillips when you win a gold glove you play with a glove that indicates that you've won one right if that makes sense yeah yeah and Brandon I guess last year or in years past that's sort of been you know the cheese that he's held out for Billy and said, "Hey, look at this," this yep. and and that's something that he wants. Yeah, and, he, and he, he's probably deserved by now. So. so him and Adam Duvall both. I mean, obviously Duvall played played a great defensive left field. I think that that was almost something that people didn't necessarily expect out of him, but he played well enough that he was a finalist. Yeah, those two guys, but especially Billy have a chip on their shoulder defensively. I saw where the main question marks are, and that's the, the pitching staff. Not so much the, the back of the bullpen. There's probably a, a couple of spots in the bullpen, but really for the most part you got five to six guys already solidified, so we really don't have to touch on that. But the rotation has huge holes in it. I mean, when, you, when you've got Scott Feldman suddenly penciling in to be your number three starter um, when that's even a question mark and you still have two holes, you've got a lot of questions to try to answer in the spring. And I don't – I mean, I think it should be a question mark with Feldman, but I don't think it is. It, it, I, I isn't, think, it isn't right now, but he can right. certainly pitch his way out of that spot. I, I'd be interested – and that, that's a conversation we were having here when I got back with some people in the sports department was how bad do these guys have to pitch to not be in the rotation? I don't know how bad that has to be because I – And we're to, talking Cody Reed. We're talking Robert Stevenson, right? We're, no. Or you're talking, you're talking I'm more talking Feldman. Feldman. I'm talking – the other thing about Bronson Arroyo, the fan Well, I want to touch on him in a sec. Okay. But 
the veteran guys, Cody Reed maybe is another one. I'm not so sure he's not going to be a long man out of the bullpen to, to when he breaks camp. You got the sense that he potentially is understanding that that may be his role right. to start to start the year. But I asked Dick Williams if Brian Price comes to you and says Amir Garrett is our number four. That's what I'm wanting. Yeah. Do you just say okay, that's great? Or do you have to consider the long-term financial implications for starting his clock, breaking camp with the club? And for all intents and purposes, he basically said, that is my job to consider those long-term things. Because once a clock starts on a guy, then arbitration right. kicks in and all that stuff. But, but if you're out of rebuilding mode. Right. So, I mean, that's the question. But I don't think necessarily that you can absolutely say – the Reds are going to break camp with the best pitching staff possible because of those long-term things. Well, and that, that'll turn me then to Bronson Arroyo. His first session was pretty good. I'm not going to put a lot of stock in him throwing. At least he threw pain-free. I don't care that he threw fastballs down the middle. I mean, he, he's, he's got to pitch eventually right. to, to get it done. I, I was asked this on a show the other night, a radio show, of, of what's the point of Bronson Arroyo. And I said, I get where you're, you're asking that question because it looks like it's a complete retread where you have – Garrett and Stevenson and Reed that, that you'd like to get some innings. I said, but he gives you the cushion, though. If Robert Stevenson is a dud like he was as last season progressed and Cody Reed is a dud as he was for all, almost all of last season starts, mm-hmm. Arroyo go, buys you a little more time if he's able to make the club to say, look, Robert, I gave you every chance. You blew it again. Go down to AAA and show, show me something there. He, he gives you that buffer for maybe two months, three months, whatever it is. I can't imagine he's going to last 34 starts if that's the case. But I think he does give you a buffer if he's healthy to hold some leverage still over these guys as opposed to going, we ain't got anybody else. we got to throw them back out there because it didn't work when they brought Cody Reed up in that regard last no, year. No, it did not work. Cody Reed was not ready. And to his credit, you know, he said that he watched every start that he made. He's, he's concerned not only with, with the way he pitched but his body language. And that's another guy to root for. Yeah, his body language was throw it and turn your turn your <laughs> neck and look over the fence. That's hard. Yeah, that was tough. Robert Stevenson, I think I think he's the type of guy who still thinks he knows best. Yeah, right. And that's that, that's his main. I mean, his manager in Louisville, Delano De Shields, called him out for that last year. He did, and you got the sense. I mean, he threw the thing that the thing that you almost learn. When you when you go from AAA to the major leagues, is your fastball isn't that good? Yeah, exactly. Right. You've got to figure out a way to get guys out. Unless your you name's Rollis Chapman, but yes, you can't rely on your fastball to get guys out. And I don't know necessarily if if Stevenson has has really realized that yet. There are some guys. That, on that's, the why staff. Use, that's why I use Bronson Royo as the as, as the right. potential buffer for that. To, to again give him a chance if he proves it. I mean, that's what you want. You want the guy to prove it. But if he doesn't. Say, look, dude, we've tried to pound this in your head. You're going back to AAA again. Get it done. And, again, you saw this with the, with the Cubs with Chris Bryant a couple years ago when Bryant was clearly ready right. for the major leagues, and they held him back because of the clock. when the clock starts, it starts, and, and down the road you're going to have to pay these guys sooner than you necessarily want to. That's going to be a factor for the Reds. And Stevenson, the clock has already started, but guys like Amir Garrett, guys like Rookie Davis – some other guys that that potentially could could be in this rotation that's going to be a consideration and that's why Bronson is on the team he thinks that i think 84 is the number for him and we're talking miles an hour right miles per hour <laughs> 84 insane. is is what it's a, that's he a hopes Rick Brewing fastball 
minus about another 20 miles an hour, but go ahead. <laughs> that's, what he, that's what he's looking to pitch because he knows he can drop it down and, and he can have like a 20-mile-an-hour range if right. he can get it to 84. One of the interviews, and I've, I've yet to hear this, but I think we're going to put something together for the uh, Friday night final tomorrow on Bronson. I didn't hear this interview. I was doing some other things, and, and uh, Dr. Kremchek just basically said, hey, do you guys want to talk to me? And he he had he had something to say, and it was regarding Bronson. And he basically said Bronson will be the fifth starter. Yeah, and you put team. you put that in one of your columns. I'm glad you brought that up because I, that that note almost I, I literally did a whoa okay. I mean, if he, if he really thinks that, um, I, I don't know if he knows best from a from a personnel. Uh, evaluation standpoint, but from a health right. evaluation standpoint, you would hope he knows. Yeah, there's nobody better in terms of a, a health evaluation standpoint, and he he was very adamant that that his uh, that his elbow is going to hold up, and and that he has the potential to to make an impact on this team. Bronson, he's not so sure. The other thing you've got to remember about Bronson is. This this hit him like a ton of bricks. He didn't spend a single day on the disabled list until 2014. Right, right. He went to Arizona. He blew out his elbow. He had and Tommy he, John. And he always – I mean, that was one thing. He, he was a guy who would take it every, every fifth day, had that easy motion, never looked like he was ever put any strain on his arm whatsoever, and then, boom, has this at a late stage of his career. So this isn't a guy who, oh, hey, and this, this year I had this and I've come back from this. He doesn't, he doesn't have necessarily the confidence in himself because he's never been here before right. even though he's you know 40 years old or right. whatever however old he is but he doesn't have necessarily the confidence right now in his arm and he he gets it he gets that the people in this city love him he wants to play he wants to make an impact but he's just not sure if his if his, if his arm is going to hold up all right last thing for you did you do anything fun in arizona we did. We did some fun stuff. Uh, Marley's is an interesting place, an interesting restaurant named after Thunder Dan. Nice. That's kind of a kind of a cool spot. Uh, do they have a Charlie Coles burger? They don't have a Charlie Coles burger. Man. That's it's unfortunate. Charlie, his coach at it's at the Central. big burger. <laughs> What's your name? Where were you from? You got your draft beer. You got your cocktail. You got your water. I just need a burger named after me. There, there is not. Where am I from? There's not a person on this planet that doesn't love talking about Charlie Cole. Absolutely, absolutely. Not one. Every every time he comes up, every time you know, I say, "Hey, we went to a restaurant in Arizona named after Dan Marley," and, and you get to Charlie Cole's because he co- for those who don't know, he coached him at Central right, Michigan. Right. You get to Charlie Cole's quicker than than you'd ever expect. Um, you know, I I I think. It's uh, it, it's fantastic that his his legacy carries on, and and whether it's that press conference against Kentucky or the best. whatever it happens to be, he's uh, he's a legend. We we um we went there. Um, Did you see any snakes? No. Okay, that's good. No snakes. No snakes. Did you go to the ballet. The ballet. The Arizona ballet was that time. I tell you what, I wanted to do the was one dollar ballet. We left on Saturday. Saturday night was. Coyotes and sharks, which I happen to miss. Well, could have seen a little hockey. That would have been nice to see to see some hockey. And l- lastly, the the one thing, and you wrote about this, and it pains me that you didn't take advantage of this. Your hotel had a pancake maker, and it wasn't just a pancake. I, I need you to explain this very quickly before we get out of this podcast. This wasn't just like where you go down and they, you, know, you see the waffle thing, and you and you put the batter in it and all that stuff. Uh-uh. This literally, you just push a button, and out comes a pancake. Done. How easy? I mean, and you didn't take advantage of that. Yeah, I, I'm not a breakfast guy. I don't. I don't do breakfast. And we had. I'm not really something. either. But if they're going to give me free pancakes, that I don't have to use any effort to do. I just push a button for pancakes. The other. The other thing too is that the Dude, machine. I usually need a recovery meal the next. That's a perfect recovery meal. The machine looked 
so antiquated you couldn't that you could i almost well no that i almost considered not talking about it because i thought oh yeah i've seen one of those but from everyone that i talked I've to never they've seen one never of those. seen one of those no, and, usually you got the waffle if, if you stay at the ones that right. they have the breakfast, the waffle thing where you got to put your own batter in it and stand right. there and wait for it and keep from burning your hand to get it out. And then little Freddy's behind you and he's going to bump into you and you want to slap him upside the head. <laughs> Not that I've ever done that in a hotel. Because um, he ever wants been his convicted waffle. of assault in a free breakfast line at a hotel. That's my waffle. <laughs> <laughs> Go see your mom and dad. Oh my goodness! That's hey, where you get your waffle and you run back to your room. They don't know who you are. <laughs> you press. But I've o- not ever done that. You press OK, and out comes the pancake. Man, oh man! I like to press okay, and out comes a scotch, but <laughs> but then a pancake the next day would help with that. Well, you know, you've got to wait until you get the the fifteen year old scotch machine coming out. That, I mean, that, that you would start be with pancakes and that and you go perfect. from there. Right. So th- this is a team that doesn't think they're losing ninety four games. I don't think they are either. I don't. The, the over under uh, one of the Reno sports books, I think, is the very first one that set their their win odds at seventy three and a half, and I think I would actually lean towards the over. If, if you look at what they did the last half of the year, I think they were 39-43 and 43 and outscored opponents by a run, which basically puts you as a 500 team. And I think that a lot of that was – you can argue some of that's due to September call-ups for some teams, et cetera. But I think it also showed that you, you had some stabilization in the lineup and you had a lot more stabilization in the bullpen. And that bullpen, I think, has got a chance to be a real team strength. I think the bullpen does has, has a chance as well to be a team strength. It, it, it certainly is more solidified with guys who know how to pitch – this year than it was last year. Drew Storen, great soundbite. I mean, he he he's had his struggles. He when he pitched for the Nationals, I think he had against the Cardinals that year. One of the years the Cardinals won, he had he had three pitches to to end the season or to end the Cardinals season and and couldn't get it done. They ended up winning and and going on to win the World Series. And he's got a certain mentality that says when you pitch and you make a mistake. You have to decide whether or not you're going to be in a bar fight or you're going to be a boxer. Are you going to flail and just try to recover quickly? Because as soon as you try to do that, it just right. the problem keeps getting worse. That type of guy in the bullpen who potentially the Reds obviously last year too did some interesting things in the bullpen when Iglesias came back from his injury. Yeah, they went to the multiple inning. Right, they didn't, they didn't pitch him every day, but they got his money's worth. They got their money's and worth out of him. Out of Lorenzen as well. He's the type of guy, too, that you saw come back and, and develop some of his secondary pitches. Dave Collins, I remember talking to him last year and, and, and two years ago, and he said, gosh, he's got a great fastball. But he's got and another guy that's got to realize that you've got to have some other things that, yeah. that complement your fastball to get hitters out in, um, in the major leagues. So the back end of the bullpen, I think, looks really good. The lineup, obviously, is solidified. I don't think they're going to have a problem scoring runs this year. I don't either. But when Scott Feldman's your number three starter. That's, that's, a, that's a big iffy. That's an iffy, and when you're you'll not, need a scotch machine if you're Brian Price. <laughs> <laughs> when when he's your number three, when when I mean you can't ignore the fact that they don't necessarily have a lot of answers in in the rotation, and the answer is not Homer Bailey. No, because it's it's another year till he's back. I mean, it really is where he's back to normal. It's potentially another year if 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 he's if he's back. I mean, I don't know how many times. This guy can get hurt and expected and be expected to exactly. come back. Exactly. So that that's going to be the issue is is the rotation and can the bullpen you know solidify in in a way that we think that it can. But their guys in that locker room. I mean, Brandon Finnegan says, "Why can't we win ninety games?" Oh, uh, you can't. But that's uh, I like because <laughs> you, you, you can't. <laughs> 
I mean, let's let's it, not go off hard, the reservation. It's, it's I think hard. he. I think when he said that, he was in the Scotch machine. <laughs> It's it's hard when you go out there not to get a, a little bit of Stockholm syndrome. Oh, when, absolutely. When you, when you see no, no. them play and you sure. think, oh, you know what, this team's capable of. But realistically, but then when you start thinking, Scott Feldman's going to be out there every every third, every fifth day, and then we right now have two blank spots. So yeah, not, good luck, good not luck good. with that. Yeah, Feldman's one of the guys that on on a team where you, you bring in as a fifth starter, yeah, long he, relief guy. He, and he makes eighteen starts and he has a five twenty ERA, and you hope to win five of those starts. Right. So still some question marks. Uh, still, still some some answers that that we don't have, and and we're not going to get until until the spring the, develops. The team until you know we see those cars line up at Finley Market for opening day. They, they, we're not going to know who's going to who's going to make this team, and it it may not have to do necessarily 100 percent with with performance as we right. mentioned. Right. So we'll see. All right. Appreciate you joining us today, um, Jed Jed Demusi, fresh from Goodyear, Arizona. You can find out all his great work that he did uh, at local12.com and uh, some pieces I know he's still going to put up for Local 12 itself as well. Thanks as well to Rick Brewing for running the board and, and operating the Scotch machine, and we'll uh, we'll talk some more Reds down the road.